Darkcast Network. The light shines brightest on our indie podcasts. We have a couple of special guests tonight for this episode of the CTN Breakdown, and we just want to welcome them both to the show and thank them for joining us to discuss the Opelika Jane Doe case. Both have been invested in this case for quite some time, and were kind enough to join us and talk to us about it more today. So would you both mind introducing yourselves? Yeah, uh, as you all know, this is Jason Futch. I've been on the show three times now, <laughs> and uh, I don't think I need to introduce myself too, too deep. But uh, Just a good friend of ours that we yeah, adore. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I've, I've been on the program before because of my work and research with Mel Jetterberg uh, over at the Finley Creek Task Force. Yes. And also, I was on here for that special uh what was it? The the nerd bite. Yes. Yeah, it was so, a nerd bite. You and me did. Yeah. You were my guest host because Ash bailed on us. Right? Shame <laughs> on you, Ash. Yeah. Shame so on was, you. Uh, Jason was a great replacement. <laughs> I'll take she it. I'll it, take she, it. She yeah. did say it might be permanent someday. So. I did because he can say the word composite. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I have a problem with that word. Yeah, you and composite. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Oh, poor Ash. We just all gang up on Ash. <laughs> <laughs> we still love you though absolutely yeah. <laughs> lex well hello i am alexis Minifield, and i am an advocate for the opalika baby jane though it's a pleasure to be here and i thank you guys for having me awesome and so as our nerdlings know when we have guests on we nat and i normally just kind of do a little round robin of questions yep. so um my first question is what was your reaction when you both first heard about the case of the Opelika Jane Doe? Hmm. So for me, when I first heard about the Opelika Jane Doe case, it was around 2012, around the same time that the case happened. And I remember shortly after it had occurred, the FBI got involved and they released a poster. And it was a poster of the clay reconstruction of the Jane Doe and the hand drawing prior to Nick Mick's reconstruction of the Jane Doe. And the clay model specifically had stuck in my head because it reminded me of one of the cases down here in Florida, not a child case, but it was the Forrest Doe case. It kind of stuck to my head a little bit. And yeah. it was like, wow, like, and this is a little girl too. Like she had the, I mean, the way she looked, she had to be in like three, four, maybe even five years old. Mm -hmm. And I thought that this case would be solved quickly, but here we are in 2022 and it's still not solved. And anyways, that's how I was introduced to it. And I just remember being shocked by, by the case in general. So yeah. Um, yeah. But that, that was my introduction on the case. So um, I was initially introduced to the Jane Doe case again, once it happened in 2012. And I was fairly younger then when I first heard about it. And the first thing that hit my mind was geez, you know, we didn't hear about any missing kids or, you know, we didn't hear about anybody going missing. It just jumped straight into, you know, bones being found. Well, in my mind at that moment, I, you know, of course, I was just like, that's sad. Uh, fast forward to 2016, um, I was going into the post office and I seen a picture of baby Jane Doe on the doors of the post office. And it said, do you know me? Oh. And it kind of just struck me as first very odd because again, it was years later and I hadn't heard anything else about these particular bones. Um, like Jason, I decided, hey, let me do a little bit of research. 
I also hit a dead end with the research. And I said, well, I'm going to launch my own research and try to figure out um, what I can find out. Um, Oddly, this happened about three to four minutes away from my house. And the craziest thing that struck me even odder was that I grew up in that area, that whole area. I grew up there from birth and it's very tight knit. Everyone knows everyone. You know, there's not really a lot of people and everyone that's there is family. So I started to ask questions to my elders like, hey, you know, do you think you've ever seen this girl? And I went back and I checked, double checked myself. And I said, well, hey, this sketch, the first sketch that they put out of baby Jane Doe was very pure. It didn't have any scars or if you look for this child in public, it would be a very well-kept child. Right. I mean, and again, fast forward to 2022, we're still here. Um, We have gotten better, but that's what initially dropped me to the case, that poster at the post office. That's amazing. I completely understand that it's sometimes when you just see a picture it just sticks with you and you're like yep that hits home for us for sure and the fact that you said your community is so tight-knit and no one no one knew her yes no one crazy no one even when you know we went last year the year before that people are outside in the same walking path of where she was found and they're kind of like hey my grandma has been living here for 50 years and we've never seen her so that's still something that strikes you as odd. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And so you definitely have a big part in this in this case. You're, you're definitely very involved. Can you just kind of go over that for us? Yes. Um, so once I saw the thing at the post office, I started to contact the Opelika Police Department. I also contacted the um, National Missing and Exploited Children, uh, just trying to get information like, what can I do? Are there any laws put in place that would restrain me from helping? And I was told, no, you know, we need you. We would love to have your help. Um, I started going to visit the sites that she, you know, where she was found. And I started trying to reach out to the people that they listed in the newspaper that found the bones, you know, just to get a direct, you know, of what happened. What did you find? You know, we got the story about the dog found the bones. We got a story about a kid found the bones. And it was just so much miscommunication with the press. And so once I got to the bottom of it, which was that it was not a dog that brung the bones. It was not a kid that found the bones. It was actually an adult male that found the bones. Interesting, because we had found the newspaper article with the dog. So we will admit that that is not factual. No, it's not. Um, An adult male was actually outside at his mom's house doing some uh, lawn work. And he found it and he thought that it was a part of an animal. And it actually turned out to be a skull, a human skull. So from there with me, once I found that out, it was game on. Um, I just started making my own flyers. I started trying to make posts on social media. At first, I would get just minimal amount of shares and activity. And then I think once the community seemed like, hey, this really is a kid from, we don't know from where, but it was found in Opelika. And as a community, we're supposed to stick together. Let's try and figure out if we can see what happened. I've been game on ever since. I love it. Love it. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So, I mean, our, our next question was, have you interacted with law enforcement about the case? But you <laughs> you uh, answered that. <laughs> yeah. So 
So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the tight knit community. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll add too here on this note, the, the, the method that Alexis has used to get her own investigation started, like literally mirrors what I did in the torso case here in Lake city. Oh, wow. Uh, like literally I did exactly what she did when I couldn't find much on the Lake city torso case. Mm-hmm. And it came down to interviewing law enforcement. It came down to interviewing people who had knowledge of it and then posting my findings on the internet, which in this case, it was web sleuths. And it was the web sleuths posting that actually helped solve the case because the sibling of the torso victim had seen all this connected the dots and boom, Wow! you know, that's how it was solved. And the thing is, don't, underestimate what citizen sleuths can do yeah you know and i mean i mean we might we might know more than what detectives know yeah (laughs) i completely agree because i think we're in the cases sometimes a little bit more so we're doing the digging we're kind of finding who's who to go to who's the experts who are your possible people who you can connect with that might know more and Sometimes we're not looking at it from that very linear lens. So, you know, it's something that we advocate a lot on here too, is, is that if you ever want to help, you don't have to be a detective to help. Like no, no one does. No. Pick no. up a cold case and that cold case, chances are high, no one's looked at it in a very long time. So, yes. I mean, it's a numbers game. There's just not enough officers to, to look at every cold case out there. So if you see a case, grab it, help out, start a Facebook group. You know, there's so many things you can do. Mm-hmm. And I was going to mention that um, any of the Facebook groups or whatnot that you you have, let us know and we'll put those in Absolutely. the case notes okay. of this episode. Okay. So our nerdlings can go like, share. and Yeah, we always like to do that too. So Okay. So we're kind of switching gears. Um, we're going to kind of talk about theories um, and what are your theories on the case as to what happened to this little girl? Well, in this situation, I mean... <laughs> anything's possible really especially when you're talking about a child doe victim here uh especially when you look at the fact that she was malnourished and abused a lot of red flags can point to the parents but a lot of people forget too that parents aren't just the only abusive ones right i mean there's uncles and aunts and cousins who can still inflict that kind of pain and my thinking is is that maybe there's a chance that her parents are no longer alive and that she was adopted. And then here's another deal. The state of Alabama may not even know she exists because of how, like, just how interesting this is where, you know, 12 years old, we have no identification because if she had a social security number, you know, and I mean, honestly, prints wouldn't work in this point because she was bones, but like, someone would have identified her by now if people knew who she was. Right. And I'm not saying this is fact, but I think that perhaps she was born under the table, quite quite yes. frankly. I mean, there may be no paper trail to indicate she existed in the state of Alabama. So that's why I say anything can be possible in this case. But I can tell you for one certain fact that this girl had an awful life through her years on this planet. She really did. And regardless of anything, she was abused and, and no one deserves that kind of treatment at all. So, I mean, 
that's why I think it's important to hurry up and identify at least her family. So mm-hmm. that way we can figure out what the hell happened here. Was yeah. it her parents? Was it a relative? Was it even the family friend? As soon as she's identified, that's what investigators are going to have to do is they're going to have to try to figure out who did this? Why did they do it? I mean, again, the door is wide open on this one. Yes. 100%. Jason, I totally agree. Um, I've come up with about 10 million theories in my head. And again, that door is always open. But being from Opelika um, mm-hmm. and in that particular area where baby Jane Doe was discovered, that's a private again, kind of close-knit area. That's not just somewhere where someone from out of town would just come to dispose of a body. So that makes me think, you know, well, maybe she was not from here and maybe she was from somewhere nearby and maybe those people had some connections to that trailer park. However, we can't disclude the foster care system or the adoption portion of it, but in my mind, whatever happened to her was very much so under the table. I don't think she was exposed to a lot of different human beings in her life. Um, I don't think she, you know, besides that uh, picture of her at vacation Bible school, um, I don't think, you know, there's a lot of people that would know her if they seen her, but if they have seen her, they would know her, if that makes sense. No, it Um, does. It does. Yeah, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm definitely leaning towards she she's from this area or somewhere nearby and maybe if she came from somewhere else and maybe she was in the care or custody of someone in her family or some friends or whomever they definitely had close connections with that particular trailer park in Mm -hmm. Opelika and that's what bothers me the most because we don't know if we're walking amongst these people now you know Mm -hmm. we don't know if you know I always wonder well hey what else is back there you know what are there is there anything else back there it's very touch and go but I I definitely think that those people are from this area yeah and and I'll add to that too is like that wooded area and I've been to that place physically that is a very specific place to dump a body like not just anybody is going to know about that location someone had to have knowledge of that area i mean based on some of the other cases that i've worked on in the past usually a dumping ground is somewhere someone is very comfortable with they know they Mm. they they think in the back of their mind okay this is where i could actually dump a body at yeah And, and if i recall alexis when we went out there with sergeant white in 2020 that area was just full of weeds and it was wooded yes. like thick. It was thick. It's like yes. you, you couldn't just walk in there. That was one of my questions because I'd mm-hmm. read it um, in the newspaper articles about the case or several of them. They right. referred to it as being kind of, it, it didn't sound like it was a main road. Like this no. sounded like somewhere off. So, so in this wooded area, there is a Creek that runs through it and down the street from that trailer park. If I remember Alexis, there is a creek, a bridge that the creek rolls under. Yes. Um, yes. And it, it's not like a massive creek. It's right. not, it's not like Finley Creek, but it's like, it's just a, a little one. It, it reminds me of like basically a drainage ditch, if you will. Yes. Okay. And someone had to like really have specific knowledge because yeah, right where we were, where the skull was found, 
you couldn't just walk through there because on top of the weeds you have to deal with, there's also piles of trash as well yes. that you have to go through. So it's like, it's not an easy feat unless you had the proper attire for it. Yes. Now, another thing too, as I was thinking, another access point would have probably been off the bridge, but even off the bridge, it's thick. So well, like off it's the not bridge, um, Auburn University actually came out to investigate that to see if, hey, maybe she came down the creek or maybe she came oh, from another yeah. way. And it was just no, like she was not, simply, not enough water. No. And right. so another thing I'd like to add that, uh, Jason, if you recall, those trailers are very close together. They so are. for someone where she was found, someone would have seen her. Yes. And you would have to be very comfortable to take the risk of getting caught by someone in between those trailers. You see, if, if that makes sense, yeah. if, if you where she was found, there's a trailer on the right and there's a trailer on the left. So someone from here wouldn't take the risk of just walking through these woods. And the creek was 10 feet away. So they could have walked 10 more feet and put her in the in the water. But they didn't. They laid her on the wood line. So she was actually laid kind of, you know, in the bushes, but not too far in the bushes. It was something that seemed to be very oh, quick. Wow. Yeah, that was it was it was very quick. And, you know, it's someone without a car, because if you had a car, you would have took her to Montgomery yep. or Tuskegee or somewhere where she would have okay. never been found. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That makes total sense. And those are just my theories, you know, but mm -hmm. yeah. No, I, I think those are very solid. And when you describe the area too, it's not exactly how I was picturing it. That makes so much more sense. Mm -hmm. and, and I've got pictures of that area if you want to take a look at them at some point. Yeah, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. We'd love to. If you want, yeah. we can even... um put them online too. So I know we kind of mentioned the church a little bit, but do you think that the little girl in the church photos that were released um, is in fact the same little girl that is the Opelika Jane Doe? Yes, I do believe so. I mean, it, it, there's no doubt about it, uh, especially when you consider the fact that Nick Mick was able to, you know, redo the rendering of Opelika yeah. Jane Doe and reflect those photographs. Like, there's 100%. no, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that the photos in that picture are of who we're looking for. And especially the clothing too, the clothing yep. matched, just about matched. So it really, really stands out. So I, I personally think this is who we're looking for. And I agree. I definitely think that is baby Jane though. Um, about what, two years ago, uh, once my post made it, a lady from New Zealand messaged me and she was into reconstructing photos. And she told me that, Hey, you know, I don't do it anymore, but maybe I could just enhance them without doing anything to them, just enhance them a little bit. Yep. And she sent me those pictures and you guys, it was about two or three o'clock in the morning. And when I looked at the photos that she sent me, I called Sergeant White about 50 times and I jumped in my bed. And when he answered, <laughs> finally, I said, oh, my God, oh, my God, did you see the pictures? And he said, yes. I said, we're looking at her. We're, yeah. we're looking at her. And, and that was that's what made me more confident, even with the new one that they just put out. It, it yeah. makes me feel like that's definitely her. 
Mm-hmm. The just looking at the photos, we were in them pretty deep when we were um, researching the episode, and just seeing the the um, the Nemec one versus the and then the church photo. When you compare the two side by side, it is the same. Yes, girl. absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It is so clearly. I I definitely I agree. I think it is. Yeah. Um, which means somebody knows her. You know, somebody does. And and I bet every time they look at that photo, their heart skips a beat or two because they know that they're getting close to being caught. Absolutely, Jason. I totally agree. And that's what we want to do. And that's why I'm grateful for you guys, because things like this, it keeps the pressure on them. It lets them know and reminds them that, hey, somebody is still working on this. And I honestly would like to say, you know, some people online, they're like, well, did the detectives do this? Did the detectives do that? And I do mean this wholeheartedly. Those detectives have worked tirelessly on this case day by day by day. And I presented the Opelika Police Department a plaque for the past three years just to Mm. keep them motivated to like, hey, let's keep going. And I always tell people someone needs $20,000. Like there is a $20,000, $25,000, I'm sorry, a $25,000 reward out for any information leading to her identity and the arrest or her identity or the arrest to people. So even if wow. you can't mm-hmm. identify the people that harmed her, if you can give us the name for her, that's $25,000. Right. right. And, and also to add to that as well, you know, yeah, the Opelika police department have done so much for this girl. And, yeah. and I know like early on in the investigation, they dug in, they dug in, but they also hit brick walls too. And then when you hit yeah. these brick walls, there's only so much you can do. And I yeah. learned that from personal experience dealing with law enforcement here in Florida. So yeah. uh, that that happens and it's not to be discouraged, but, you know, they need a fresh lead. Yes. $25,000 sounds good, especially right about now with gas prices. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, someone will come forward. And also now with technology advancing the way it is, you know, with forensic genetic genealogy, Yep. Um, that is going to be probably the key to solving this case. Cause, and I remember one of the very first acknowledgements about this case in FGG was from my good friend, Olivia McCarter, who used to intern with Redgrave research. And now she is a cold case investigator with the Mobile County Sheriff's office in Mobile, Alabama. And she, her, her unit, it's interesting because she gets to work on statewide cases uh, that are not even in her jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. And she said one of the first couple of uh, cases she wanted to work on was the Theodore baby out in Theodore, Alabama and Mm -hmm. Opelika Jane Doe. And when, when she had heard about Opelika Jane Doe and wanted to work with it, she first thought about me. She wanted to learn a little bit more about what she can do. And I was like, I can only tell you so much, but mm-hmm. I have a good person who you can talk to. <laughs> so I gave her Alexis's phone number and they talked. And, and from what I remember, Olivia telling me about the conversation, I, you can back me up here, Alexis, if you, mm-hmm. if you wish. But um, if I remember right, Olivia was hysterical talking about this case. Like she was in tears throughout that whole conversation. And yes. she really wanted to do yeah. something. Yes, she was. And she was very passionate about it. And, um, you know, I'm always willing to talk to other people that are willing to help us 
help Jane Doe. Right. And anybody that I know is compassionate about this and they're willing to work with me. I've tried to create so many people of just sleuths and just like, hey, you guys, I have I have yep. the plates. I have the plates. Let's just put a little bit of food on it. You know, yeah. and, and, and that's yep. discouraging because sometimes we expect results quicker than what we get them. And I totally understand that. Oh, yeah. And um, it makes you impatient and it makes you wonder about my kid. You know, my kid lives in the same area and he goes to school right here. Right. He goes to the church that's not even two minutes away from where she was found. And, you know, could this happen again or have oh. this happened before? We those are questions right. that we don't know, and it's and it's it's just very scary to me because I do think that maybe her parents are deceased or something happened to where her parents, maybe she was taken out of a bad situation and put into a worse situation. That's kind of my fear, yeah. you know. And I'm thinking maybe it went a little bit too far. And I also don't think that Baby Jane's though death was at that moment intentional. I think it was something that happened from what she was going through. And I think she passed unexpectedly and they had to hurry and yeah. get rid of her. Mm-hmm. Those are just some of my thoughts about that part. Yeah, that makes sense. It, that Her case actually reminds me, there was an old 1950s case, The Boy in the Box, her case is suspiciously similar to that in the in the way that he was left and it's still unsolved to this day. It's been like 60 some years. And um, again, right. no one knew who he was and there was no, it was a similar mm. thing. Child four to eight. Um, so I saw so many similarities between her case and this one of the boy in the box. And he was thought to have been adopted or in foster care or not with his parents um, mm-hmm. was a lot of the theories. And so it's kind of a similar thing. Um, it definitely makes you wonder too, because her injury, one of the things I had seen was that her injury to her eye looked to have been done within a year. Yeah. So it wasn't, she obviously had been being abused for a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. So it's very likely that the abuse escalated even further and this poor child just Mm -hmm. passed from it, which is awful. And one thing Nat and I kind of talked about is the fact that somebody brought her to the Bible school. Like somebody Mm -hmm. like who that's the main thing that it's like who brought her because you said the flyers are all over the town. No one knows who she is. So who was this person? Like, was it like a grandmother or like? or even just a friend that was like, Hey, let's mm-hmm. bring her to this camp right. because or I don't know. Or it could have been, uh, she could have taken one of those buses too. So yeah, I agree. Yep. Jason. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning more towards the bus because, mm-hmm. um, what mm-hmm. happens is all of the kids are out of school and the buses ride through the neighborhoods, even my neighborhood, and they blow the horn. So you don't need a parent to put you onto the bus. They just ride through Mm -hmm. and they generally play a gospel song or two. And it's really loud, you know, to kind of grasp your attention. You run outside. Usually mom waves to you from the porch and, you know, that's kind of it. It's, there's never anything right. to sign on to the bus or anything right. of that nature. So I definitely think that this is a case of just not being cautious and careful with children. Um, I've yep. actually pushed for that at our city council meetings here in Opelika because they still do that. They Not just that church, but all churches, they still do it. And I've pushed that. We try to put something into play to where yeah. if you put your kids on a bus, you need to sign them until the bus. Right. 
Right. You know, because anything Agreed. can happen and you got a lot of unidentified kids on a school bus and you can't even keep up. Yep. I mean, besides number wise, right. how can you keep up with to whom is home and where do they go? And so they don't drop them off at home. They pick them up yep. wherever and then they drop them off in one particular spot. You see? Yeah. And, uh, I didn't realize that. And they didn't have any name tags. And if you guys, if we all look at the photos of Jane Doe at the church, she's never yep. looking directly at that camera. Nope. No, no, she, she is not. And and the other children around her, they're looking directly at the camera. But to me, it's crook as odd. It was kind of like someone was always grabbing her attention at photo time. It was kind of like, yeah. you know, and I, mm. and I think she went on that bus with a cousin or a brother or something. Ah. There was someone that accompanied mm. her on those trips there. Yeah, because she was little. Like, you look at the pictures, yes. I think yeah. she's closer to four than seven. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that little and, girl looks young. And she's small for four. I mean, weight-wise, she was yeah. very small for four. Um, I also think that the church could have given us a little more help. Mm -hmm. You know, when once yeah. we started reaching out to the churches, it was kind of like, that's not her. In, in the photos from the church they have. And we're like, okay, well, if that's not her and this is someone a part of your congregation, who is it? And right, if it's somebody right. a part of the congregation, the parent would step forward and say, hey, no, that's that's my child, you know. No Absolutely. One has, no one has done that since this photo has been out. And I think it's very, you know, sad that a lot of the times churches have, they feel like mm -hmm. they have such a high expectation that nothing can go wrong but that's not right. realistic and that's not reality and something went wrong it didn't go mm -hmm. wrong at the church but no. the church could help us figure out who and where this child came from is right. it common practice for them to only hold the records for a set amount of time it seems like a really short amount of time to hold the records. well in this case honestly there were we were told that there were no records we were told that mm -hmm. at this point in time, the kids weren't wearing the hi, my name is tags. You know, they were just coming uh, to vacation Bible school and they were doing what you do at vacation Bible school. And that's completely it. So mm -hmm. the records would have came from the daycare portion of the church, which they do have those. But we right. don't need the daycare Oh, Although they wasn't. were obtained, they were obtained and every oh, nice. child was accounted for because Sergeant mm -hmm. White is the absolute best. Um, so he, you know, he did go into that and he did make sure all of the children that were supposed to be accounted for were. Um, but just again, I want to make it very, very clear that if you know something, say something. And it does not matter your position or title, you know, and from from belief wise and faith wise. You always want to do the right thing. Never yep. hide something because of an image. Because right. it may make something look bad. I would rather help and then we'll deal with the rest after. Yep. Especially, you know, in religion, we're, we're living in the time where, you know, churches are being held accountable for stuff right. like this, mm -hmm. specifically uh, the Catholic church. So it's like, you know, you really have to, you know, stand up and say, hey, look, we don't know what happened to this little girl, but yes, she was here. If yeah. the church can come forward and say, okay, we acknowledge this. We acknowledge this. We, we acknowledge our fault here in a way. I mean, and, and it's not even really necessarily, you know, greater pieces fault. Uh, right. But like at the same time, acknowledge that you had this girl here, that yeah. she was coming to this Bible school. If you know her relatives say something, don't right. protect them. 
Yes. Because in the long run, it's just going to hurt more and more people, especially yeah. people who are related to this little girl that loved Absolutely. her. Absolutely. And, you know, once you catch one fish, all the other fish start coming. And what's going to happen oh, yeah. is instead of, you know, anytime you know something about something like this, you're just as much as an accessory as anybody else. 100%. So you're just as right. guilty as the person who actually did this. And I oh, think yeah. that it should eat people up at night when I have, I've had people come to my office and say, I I know her, but I, I don't want to get involved with it. And I look at uh, them and I think about, do you have children? You know, and even yeah. if I didn't have children, I have a heart. I do. Right. And just right. that that part of me, or everyone should be like, you know, we're so into camera phones and video right. these days that we forget about the human nature and we forget, you know, that, hey, it's always better to be good than to be bad. Although we're not. Amen. 100%. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that the ball was dropped on this child's end from the time she was born up until the time her remains were found. And I think yeah. that us as a community, we have to agree to disagree. Right the ball had been dropped on her behalf. I completely agree. I mean, and it's one of those things too, that we all have a responsibility to make sure that this doesn't happen again. We can't save her, but we can make sure that no other child goes through this. So it is so important to share because if they, if somebody could do this to this little four-year-old kid, they could do it to anybody. It's not, you know, no kid is protected from that. No parent, nobody is. So you don't want people like that out in the world. Like you don't. Absolutely. And it may be too late to punish some people, but hey, I'm willing to go all the way back. And I feel like even if, if you're 80 years old at this moment, if you had anything to do with this, you deserve yep. to be punished. 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, Ash and I, we've covered a couple of the, the child doe cases, and I think those are probably at least i don't want to speak for you ash but i think for me those are the hardest ones oh yeah 100%. De- they definitely are they're rage inducing children too, are because... just so innocent it's like how yes. how could you yeah yeah and and, it, and it's appalling it, it's really appalling that we're 10 years into this case mm-hmm. and no one has come forward to claim her body it's right. appalling that no one has been able to identify her yet right. to let this child, you know, sit on the shelf of a police station for so long is appalling, sickening and sad. And, yeah. you know, and, and this is completely different from the Fenley Creek case, because as you know, our, the medical examiner in Oregon, Dr. Vance has a closet full of bones that date back to the old days. Yeah. But this is different in the fact that this is a possibly a four-year-old child that's sitting there. And on top of that, the bones are in such bad shape. Like uh, from what I understand, Alexis, you touch them, they can break apart in any second. Oh, yes. really? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that, that, wow. and, and that's one of the biggest issues right now that Othram is facing and so you have to remember too, is like, you know, she might be malnourished of her vitamin D's and her important that's vitamins. Right. So that's why her skeleton was so weak that she was probably being starved, beaten. Her vitamins yes. are not there. And on top of that, her teeth were in really bad shape. Yes. I mean, so that really goes to show you that this girl, this girl did not live a good life. And whoever the bastard is out there that's listening to this probably deserves to be punished for what they did to this girl, even if it was an accident, but it still doesn't excuse the fact that she was killed. Even if, even if it was an accident, it should have never been an accident in the first damn place. Absolutely. A hundred percent. 
that's definitely yeah. not accidental. Um, and you know, no. talked about the fact that she could have had um something as far as she could have been uh ADHD or she could have been um what's the word for it? Uh, autistic. Autistic. Yes. That was one of the things that we maybe thought that she could have been as well. You could tell by the bones that they recovered for her legs that they had been broken, but they had healed on their own. So there was a lot of factors that played out with this. Like like Jason said, you know, it it shouldn't have never been accidental. What did she do? To deserve that, you know. What does a four-year-old, five-year-old? I couldn't kid even imagine. Do? And I'm yeah, thinking, like, kids. what kind of parent or what kind of person with supervision over her at all ever would do this? And you know, I also thought about, and maybe this is a reach for what I'm about to say, but I, I also thought about, you know, as a as a mom, there's some things that moms will and won't do, whether you're a half-ass yeah. mom or a great mom. I definitely think a man was involved in this because as as heartless as it may seem on the behalf of her, one thing about a parent, a mother, even if the mother witnessed this happen, allowed it to happen, contributed to it happening. It's just real different and odd for a woman to take a body. That's what I was just thinking too. That's not, I've always pictured a male. I don't know why. Yes. Like that's, yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you. I think it's that also it was more noticeable if a woman had the body too, because smaller frame, you're not as able to hide it. Yes. I hate to say that, but like yes. you know, I feel like it would stand out more. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But I've always pictured a man for, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. As well. And I think mom may, you know, or whoever would have they they may have just been under the influence of life or whatever the case was but i definitely think a man disposed of her body 100 mm-hmm. i'm 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 in the same boat on that too i mean yeah. i mean she was so deep in the woods too well at least her the rest of her remains were uh-huh. so it goes to show you that uh yeah. someone with some kind of strength was able to take all that uh Absolutely. all that thistles and bushes and stuff mm-hmm. and be able to get in there so right that actually answered one of the questions I had had was how did they know, because I knew it was skeletal remains, how they knew she was so malnourished, but it was because of the the state of the mm-hmm. remains when they found them. Mm-hmm. That, I didn't know that. That's actually really interesting. Yes, her so, hair was still intact, though. I had the opportunity to oh. look at her hair and, you know, kind of <sighs> just see if I could identify with me also being an African-American woman. Right. Um, we were trying to figure out her hair texture. And me being an African-American woman, I said, well, hey, because they put her hair as curly. And I said, right, well, I saw that. I kept seeing conflicting yes. on that. And I said, well, with her having cornrows, all African-American women, once we take our cornrows down, they're curly. Our hair is curly. So yep. I don't think that was the nature of her hair texture. And then I also was able to see like, well, OK, there was some, you know, not so authentic hair that she had in her cornrows so those Uh. were yeah so it was it was very interesting to me because I you know I don't do hair (laughs) but I wanted to see it and I kept saying I just don't think her hair was curly and and you know with with African-American women we have different hair textures so I wanted to see it and I wanted to see it wet and I wanted to see what it would look like as being dry so I could kind of give them if she had coarse hair or if it was curly or, right. you know, 
And it, it was on the curlier side still, even after, but it wasn't okay. as curly as they had it on. So the, it wasn't as natural. It right. was more yeah. of a wave. It was more of a, I got cornrows and the weather probably took the cornrows, whichever way. Mm-hmm. Um, and undid them. And it was more yeah, of a yeah. curly course, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. Because I, I kept saying the conflicting on her hair type too. So I, I think... I said curly just to kind of, I wasn't sure, but I thought it might have been because mm-hmm. of Because I told them, I said, those, right. the pictures look like a well-kept child. We got to make her look more Thank so you. of how she would have looked in real life because mm-hmm. people are thinking mm-hmm. she looks decent. She doesn't have any scars to her eyes. On the first one that they right. made, her eye right. was perfectly fine. See, I wonder, I had wondered about that too, because mm-hmm. I saw where they had one where she didn't have the damage to her mm-hmm. eye. Which was the pink shirt the mm-hmm. that one yes that mm-hmm. was a very nice picture of jane doe and after that that's when the one came out with the cornrows because i kept yeah. saying hey you know Good. let's make her look how she would have appeared to look in real life and in all the photos that we have she had cornrows and then yep. i could tell that they thought she had just curly hair Right. And that makes right. a difference because maybe a huge one day difference. she didn't have cornrows and maybe she had an afro. Right, because her hair could have been worn any different way as the yes. little girls. I mean, you do your hair differently. My mom used to do my hair differently every day. <laughs> yes, I had it was whatever she was in the day, mood. Maybe yeah. a French braid the next day. French braid was popular. <laughs> I mean, shoot, when I was when I was a kid, I actually had an afro, so uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I did. <laughs> and so, like, that's the thing is, it's like one of the things I noticed was in the church photo. I feel like she had braids in the church photo too. She did. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. She did. So you did. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the church photo, that looks more like how you would picture a child who had been abused. Yes. Like the church photo looks much more like a child who was going through something at home. Yes. The other thing I would be curious about too is her eye stood out. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't anyone at the church have reported to somebody that this little girl? Amen. Or asked questions about that. That's That was always one of the things that kind of struck me was like, I know if I see a child who looks like malnourished or looks like they've been abused, you're supposed to call the police. Well, no the, right. and I'm glad you said that because the woman who gave the police the picture said that she had a stench and she was filthy. I so remember why, this. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you call the police? Absolutely. Because, That's- you know, when I see a kid like that, I'm going to go mm-hmm. talk to someone that's over me. Child protective right. services. Yes. I'm going to see. Yeah. And I remember we had, there was a kid who used to go to a church. It was a Sunday school, Sunday night school service that I used to attend in Live Oak. And there was a kid who had the same situation. She always came in there smelling like piss. Mm-hmm. She had, oh, you know, her hair was uh, always messy. She was dirty somewhere. <laughs> they, would ha- they, they would actually have to take her to the bathroom and clean her face so she could look a little, oh. little better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, she had this really nervous twitch, which was she would pick her nose. Then mm-hmm. that's all signs of abuse. So 100%. someone caught on to that and they called DCF. Good. I find out later when I'm a little bit older that, yeah, the DCF people came over. There were cockroaches all over the trailer she lived in. Mm-hmm. The house was a mess. It smelled like dog in the house. And her brother was also just as bad off. Mm-hmm. So Ugh. 
the church had a responsibility to report that. Yeah, so, 100%. Do, so do schools. So do businesses with battered so women. Do people. Yes, yeah. Yep. I mean, 100%. So, yes. so like, we all need to do our part, you know, Absolutely. Whether, yes. wh- whether or not you're Christians or atheists or yeah, it doesn't matter. whatever we as adults, we as human beings yes. have a role to yes. play in making sure that our children here in America and for your listeners across the world yeah, yes. are taken care of. And I we mean, have to stop looking at money and exactly. actually 100%. The well-being and the safety and the environmental Absolutely. resources around our children, and I, I tell anybody: once your kids are in my eyesight, those are my children for that moment. Yep. You yep. know, and so for for me, I think that, and of course, this isn't a case of this happened to her at church, but this is a case of the church is the key, and her yes. teacher actually passed away a year before the photos were turned into the police department Damn. which was just like hmm. and then there was a music teacher that i mean just couldn't find you know because the pictures were not just very high quality pictures anyway right but again we got to stop thinking about ourselves our reputations and money Mm -hmm. and do things from our heart and once you do things purely from the heart it turns out completely different you know we failed this kid and again if i had seen her even if I didn't get her any help, I would never forget who I, because this is the thing. Hundred percent. If you see a kid and you look at that kid, you're automatically looking at who that kid is with. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, if you can't call the kid's name, you can call the mom, the grandma, the yeah. uncle, or I remember that kid, her auntie is such and such. It's always an right. adult associated with a kid. So for that always. not to have happened, it is to me it just seems like a community secret that's that's what yeah. Jane Doe is like it's like a community mm-hmm. secret and there's so many people that know who this child is yeah. and yeah. they just won't mm-hmm. and, and and as you said too if, and then it becomes a local secret and then the older and older this case gets it becomes local folklore yes. and that's a dangerous area to be at because when this child is finally identified, you find out that, oh, well, yeah, everyone tells a story about the little girl in the woods and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, we, we tell our children, don't be like that little girl in the woods. That becomes really hurtful. Right. Yes. Like, like that, that hurts. Yes. That that will be very hurtful to yes. people's families yes. when 100%. that happens. So. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We can't scare them. We have to just teach them. And who yes. knows? Mm-hmm. 15, 20 years from now, this could be something so huge and blown up. And then you have all of these different people on TV yep. saying, well, I knew her and mm-hmm. such and such. And Which such. side do you want to be on? Well, where it, the hell were you before? Right? Absolutely. Right. You know, and that's yep. generally what happens when it comes down to. That's why I always say, you know, money it is, is money. the root. It's the root of everything to me, because I feel like if I had the money to actually pursue this in the way I want it to be that I would have gotten a lot further than, than I have gotten. But then I also humble myself and think, well, Hey, you know, what's meant to be, it will be, and it'll come out. Um, this child is telling, she told her story with her clothing. She told her story with her bones. She's trying to tell us what happened to her, but we forgot about it for too long. Anytime you forget about something like that for even a day, you, that's too long. 
Like we let that go under for way too long. And when it was fresh, I think we as a community, we should have jumped on it then. And I really Mm -hmm. do think if we would have done that then when she was found, we would not still be. If we were talking about it today, we would just be rejoicing about, you know, the great news and, you know, how much hell it was to get to this point. But right. we didn't. We waited until about seven or eight years after the bones were found. Not, and, and I don't mean we as in, you know, but I mean us as, yeah. as a community of people. And it right. is sad. And, and, and it's, it's sad. It's scary. And I mean, I don't know what I would do if I was ever faced with her killers. Oh, um, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, I, I don't think that would be a, a wise idea because my biggest question would be why? Why, yeah, and what did a four-year-old do to you? A- absolutely, and there's nothing that anybody on this earth could tell me that would no. be a good enough answer for nope. me. It, it, it's it's just not. And no. this minute, they released balloons for her at that same spot this year, oh. and yeah. uh, I I just I didn't go, I didn't go because that that's private for me. And I get yeah. it. It's a community thing. But for me, for, for us, people like us, that stuff really sits in our heart and it affects us on a day-to-day basis. Yep, and it's not 100%. something that we can go through with other people that don't understand what yeah. we're going you have through. To, you have right. to be digging through everything and mm-hmm. looking and constantly yeah. wondering. There's, I mean, we have cases that we've held on to ever long after yes. doing it, covering mm-hmm. it. We keep them. Then we do the same thing. We pick them up and you work them and you get as far as you can. Then you put it down for a little bit and see where you can get. And mm-hmm. It's a very private thing. It is. Yeah. And and also, too, when I drove up to Opelika in 2020 to meet Alexis and uh, Sergeant White, I can see just and I can feel, you know, just by meeting them, how personal this was to both of them. And to be at the spot, you know, and, and I'm assuming like I, I was in a privileged, privileged situation because I'm sure Sergeant White doesn't do that often where he's marching a guest out to the crime scene and, and, and examining things and me, you know, being able to share my perspective with them. It was such an honor. And also I understood right then and there how personal this was to them and that it was a very personal mission for them. And yeah. Ever since then, like I've made it a goal to at least share her story once 100%. in a while and, and to tell it respectfully. Yeah. Because th- this is a unique case in itself. Yeah, it really is. It's she deserves that too. She she deserves to be honored. She went through hell in in life. The least that we can all do is, is remember, not let her be forgotten yeah. in, in death. That, mm-hmm. I that, agree that's with that. kind of our motto we always say for every one of the does it's they're not just nameless people like they matter right. yes somebody loved them like someone yeah. did absolutely so, yeah so um with that though is there anything that we can do to help as listeners um obviously we're going to share the facebook page and get that out there and we will also help as much as we can to keep her story going um, is there anything that we can all do for you as a community um, within the true crime community uh, to help with the case? Um, I think just doing what you guys are doing now is a lot. It's more than enough. And, you know, we're all going to keep pushing and putting it out there as much as we can and make people aware because a lot of people still yeah. don't know. 
So, right. you know, we appreciate just the smallest share, you know, or just absolutely the smallest telling someone. Um, so we're very, very appreciative of you guys. Very. Oh, our pleasure to, to have both of you come and talk about this case. Um, it was one that I had just kind of, I had, for, Jason had mentioned it a while ago and I had, I hadn't put the name together with, with the case. And I was looking for, I, we do doe cases a lot. And I was looking just through DNA doe and all of the, the usual NEMIC mm-hmm. and all of those. And I saw her face and just couldn't go away. And it was after I'd already recorded the episode, done all the research that, I was telling Jason, I was because I was excited about this episode because mm-hmm. I really liked her. I wanted to share her case. It just felt right. And then he, he had mentioned it. I was like, oh, my God, I totally spaced. I totally forgot that <laughs> you had you. This is your case. Like, yes, you love well, this case too. Well, I wouldn't call it my case, but no, like. Uh, but well, I you did an awesome was... job, Jason. You did. It's, it's, it's all of our cases. This is all of our. This is her, our little baby, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So we feel yes. like that with the cases we adopt to mm-hmm. uh, you just like I said, I, I Ash knows I have a running statement of I've adopted them because I have a file mm-hmm. folder that I keep yes. of Doe cases that as I see them, I just put them in there because I always have this hope that someday I'm going to come across a missing person and that's going to be like, boom, that's the person yes. like, oh, yeah. So I always keep them. I always go back to them. Ash does, too. Like we do the same thing. You don't let them go. So the question I would have for you, Lexus, is after, I know you are very invested in this and we get it because we do this too, after her case gets solved, which we know it will, eventually it will come out, what do you think you're going to do at that point? Um, Do you think you would pick up another Doe case and do the same thing again? I I got plenty of work for you, Alexis. (laughs) I I told you guys, you know, off the air, but Jane Doe has inspired me to want to do some private investigator work and um in her honor i will never i won't i will never stop never once i it's kind of like once you a shark has gotten a taste of blood i'm ready and she's my motivation and you know i'm putting her first but after her which very very soon to her killers we are coming for you we are right behind your two feet and once we catch you, I'll be able to sleep peacefully. And I'll do that with every other case that I get. Um, I'll do the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yep. That's amazing. I just can't thank you both enough for keeping the fight going, for absolutely keeping these stories alive. Um, the work you both do is phenomenal. It is hard <laughs> is the answer. It is very hard. We have our own that we go through with this and – there are ups and downs and there are nights you're crying and nights you're laughing because you're so happy. Like it, it is an emotional roller coaster. Yes. And this is just amazing people who are out there who do this out of the kindness of their hearts. No one gets paid to do this. No. That's the thing. It is kind of a thing. Not at all. Yeah, I've been, been <laughs> yeah. Doing the, I've been doing this for over 10 years and yeah. I still have not received a penny and nope. I'm, I'm okay with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do the same thing even on our show. We intentionally make sure we don't do ads, things like that for, yes. for that reason. Yeah. Um, that It's not about that. It's about the stories. Absolutely. So, but that's the thing is, is that this is a lot of emotional and mental investment too because you are you're working these cases like a like a detective just like them Mm -hmm. so you know it's one of the things that if we as citizens can help spread the word tell somebody the story yes you've done a job you've done a huge service just telling the story 
So that's uh, my two cents on it. But I just wanted to thank you both for just being amazing humans and being so selfless to take on a case that you don't know. You don't know her. Right? Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also to me personally, I'd like to thank you, Alexis, as well for, you know, giving me that human side of this case because 100%. um you know had it not been for me talking with you the night before i came up to opelika i probably would have never even stepped foot in that place and yeah. for and for you and sergeant white to literally roll out the red carpet for me and my mother who came along Aww. you know it was a very interesting experience mm -hmm. and from that point on i've never really forgotten about you know opelika jane doe and I and I thank you and Sergeant White so much for that experience. Thank uh, you. It was just unbelievable. And we thank you. We thank all of you guys again um, for helping us because again, we we are a team and we can't do anything alone. And we need the help of those who we don't even know. You know, there's right. always somebody with better and more information and education than you. And, yeah. um, so again, we are very appreciative of you guys. Um, I think what you guys do is great. Again, we don't get paid for this, but we do really get paid for it. We, we really do, you know, um, the do. joy and the fact that we can put smiles on some of these people's faces of family members that didn't pleasure. know. Mm -hmm. So I think some people never great. even knew they were gone. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Like we saw that in Delta Dawn, her family just thought they had moved and didn't know that they were gone. Mm -hmm. That, yeah. you know, it's not always, it's not always apparent what's happened to somebody. So yes. it's scary how easy it is to accidentally disappear in this world. It really is. That's the thing we learned from all of this. Yes. So we just thank you both so much. Yeah, thank you so much. And it's what's really cool about this whole podcast community that I I've discovered is I've met some amazing people and you two being on that list. Um, but thank a, you. Cool, a, a cool thing is, is our listeners who might get inspired to pick up a case and start looking at it, you know, it's yes. we're yeah. everyday mm -hmm. people and, you know, they might get inspired or, hey, maybe even one of them knows that area and is going to reach out. Yeah. So yeah yeah it's all all about the word of mouth yep yeah. share the stories well i just can't thank you both enough for coming to join and telling us the story um it was great to hear the actual like true facts of the case that was absolutely fascinating um thank you so much for doing that and we will conclude this with a little uh Jason, you want to give a little plug for your show? Because I know yeah. you've come on a bunch, but still do it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for some of you who are just now tuning into this or who have been here before, uh, I do run a podcast. It's From the Vault, a true crime podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you can find your favorite podcast. So you can visit us on our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash from the vault pod. Our Twitter is the same handle. You can just Google us and you'll come up with so many options. But also this summer, I will be releasing a new feature called Swanee Valley Unsolved. Yeah. And those cases will be covering the unsolved homicides of Mark Brotherton, who was murdered in his gas station in 1971. And also uh, we had... Uh, we have a case involving Darlene Messer, who was murdered in 1989 when she was kidnapped from her convenience store. And finally, Linda Rollerson, who was 
just mercilessly gunned down in the convenience store she worked in 2008. So those are going to be coming to a head this summer around June. And you can visit the page in the meantime where we do advocate the local cold cases in our area. That's www.facebook.com slash Swanee Valley Unsolved. Nice.